This morning, I tried to speak on something that was very powerful, very noticeable. This morning we spoke on the earthquakes that are mentioned in the Bible. This afternoon, I want to speak on something that's hardly noticed. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 37. Read verse 23. And he made him seven lamps and his snuffers and his snuff dishes of pure gold. I want to talk to you this afternoon about the snuffers and the snuff dishes that were made of pure gold. The Bible is very interesting. When you go to Genesis chapter 1, you start reading about creation. The Lord says, he did this and it was so. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then he went to the next verse. And I wish he had expounded on that a little more than he just made the heaven and the earth. You could write volumes. You could have encyclopedias just on that verse. But he didn't. He just said it, and it was so. And he goes through, and I think all of Genesis 1 on creation on one page in my Bible. That's what he did the first day, the second day, all through the six days, and then rested on the seventh. Very brief to the point. Not elaborating hardly any. And after you get through creation in the Bible, you start reading further. He slows down just a little bit till you get Noah and the flood. Then he gives you two or three chapters there, what happened during the flood. And again, you could wrote volumes on that, about the flood and the ark and all that, and the animals and all that. He just was very brief and he went on. Then you get to chapter 12 and he comes to a man by the name of Abraham. And through the rest of the book of Genesis, he'll talk about Abraham and his family. He'll slow down a little more and start talking about one man and his family for the rest of the book of Genesis. And then we come to the book of Exodus and he slows down a little more when he starts talking about Moses delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage. He gets more detailed and more detailed but by about chapter 12, he's got them over the Red Sea and they're in the wilderness. Now the Lord tells Moses to build a tabernacle. And he really starts slowing down now. You get to chapter 25 and through the rest of the book of Exodus and he goes into minute detail on how that tabernacle is to be built. And he'll talk about things like snuffers and snuff dishes, and he'll talk about curtains and the length they were to be and the color they were to be, and he'll talk about the badger skins and the, uh, the uh, ram skins dyed red and, and stuff like that, and he'll go into minute detail. 
and he will tell the people how they're to act with this tabernacle and if there's any part that you defer from it would probably mean death you were to act and do in this tabernacle like the Lord told you to such as only the high priest would go behind the second veil and he would only go back there one time a year and not without blood detail and if the high priest deferred from that he would have been he would have, he would have died there on the spot then he begins to talk about all these things and I want to mention the tabernacle briefly to you just how this thing was set up now the entrance into the tabernacles was you going from east to west you were to go directly west and you'll find in the Bible that anytime you're going the direction of the Lord they were headed west and anytime they were going another direction they were in disobedience like uh, uh, Adam and Eve was cast out east of Eden they were cast out east of Eden that's against the Lord you can tell they had sinned and so they were going the wrong direction when we come to this tabernacle, the first thing that you find is an altar. And it is outside of the tabernacle, and he gives you the dimensions of it. And he tells you how the animals are to be placed upon it, how, they're to be, how their blood is to be kept, uh, collected, how they were to eat certain parts of it, and they were to burn certain parts of it, and it goes into minute detail. And after I'm thinking of all this, when Moses wrote this, the Lord must have inspired his brain that he got every word right when he was writing this down. And he's wrote a lot of words in five books to get straight. First five books that he wrote. But they had this altar, and one of the interesting parts to me was the fire was to never go out. Fire was to never go out, day and night. Well, it doesn't mention the guys that had to cut all the wood and have it where this fire would never go out. They would talk about the ones that would take away the ashes. But they didn't talk about the woodcutters that had enough wood that that fire would never go out. But the tribe of Levi was a big tribe and they all had their jobs. So the altar, they did the altar first. It's the first item you see here. I'm going to say this is west. I have no idea what direction that is. But we're going to work this way. And so here's east and there's west. And the first item is the altar. And that's where the animals were brought to sacrifice. Okay. If you notice this, when we go through this, we're going to go and there's going to be the altar here. Then there's going to be the laver next. That's where they had the water for the priest to wash before they would go into the, tent, the, the tabernacle. They had to wash their feet and wash their hands before every time they entered into the tabernacle, you had to wash. And here's what you got to picture. The tabernacle is first going to be a picture 
it's all a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that tabernacle is going to be a picture of his kingdom. When you enter in, you do not enter in the kingdom of God without being washed. We're washed with the waters of regeneration. That's how you enter into the kingdom. Once you get into the fast, the first veil, on the right, you have a table there of showbread. That was for the priest to eat. And they were to have 12 loaves and two rows of six. They were to have six and six. And there was 12 loaves, six and six. And that was for the priest to eat from. And we eat from the old 66. That's where we eat from. We do it from the old 66, six and six. And he's made us kings and priests. I forgot to mention that. In the service of God, we've all been made kings and priests. So we're able to eat from that. That's on the right side, that's toward the north. On the south side, and on the left side, entering in, you got the candlestick. And that's what I'm gonna observe mostly this afternoon, is the candlestick. It had a, a branch coming up and then three branches on this side coming out, three branches on this side, but they were all the same level. They was not one tall and six short, they were all seven the same height. No matter what position you have in God's kingdom, we're all the same. There's no big eyes and little U's, we're all the same. Whether it's preacher, deacon, or whatever, song leader, or you just a member, we're all the same. And of course, the candlestick in the book of Revelation told you what the candlestick was, it was under the seven churches. The candlestick represents the church. But the church is not these pews and these books. The church is these people. We are the church. Didn't say the Lord died uh, for the books and the pews. It says, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And in the church, he tells us, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There was no outside light coming into this place. There was no light from the outside coming into the church. The light dwelled within there, that building. Just like the light in this church dwells within us. We do not get light from the outside world. The light shines within us. And we're the church, and so we're supposed to shine. We're supposed to shine in God's church, in the candlestick. Showbread over here, candlestick over here, and right in front of the second veil is a table of incense. Now, incense in the Bible is synonymous with prayer. Anytime you see uh, incense mentioned in the Bible, you should think of prayer. It's the table of incense or it's the table of prayer. Because you see, we do not get to go behind the, high, the, the second veil, but our prayers exceed beyond the veil into the, the next place, which behind the second veil represents heaven itself. It represents heaven itself. 
Now here's Christ. He was slain on the cross, not in the church, not in heaven. He was slain in the world on that cross. Then you come and you wash yourself to go into his kingdom and in his kingdom you eat from the showbread and get your light from the candlestick and pray unto God. But the high priest would carry that blood behind the veil once a year and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And that's a picture of heaven itself. Matter of fact, it's really a picture of the new Jerusalem. Because you read in Revelation 21, or 20 and 21 there, 19, 20 and 21, you read about the new Jerusalem which came down from heaven. It was this way. It wasn't square. They sometimes sing a song, City Four Square. It was cubed. It had the same width and length and height. In that place, it was 10 cubits this way, 10 cubits that way, and 10 cubits that way, representing heaven itself. And Jesus Christ, who died in this world, but his blood was offered behind the second veil unto God. Now, he didn't offer himself to us, but he offered himself for us, but he offered himself to God. And that offering went behind the second veil, and the high priest carried it there and offered it on the mercy seat for our behalf. Well, for his and our behalf. Then you come to the mercy seat. And you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, somebody had done some Bible work on that because that thing was just about what the dimension says it was. And everything in there was overlaid with gold. And every curtain and all the priest's garments was of these three colors. It was either scarlet or blue or purple. That was all the curtains were scarlet, blue, purple. The, uh, the high priest's garments were scarlet, blue, and purple. And behind it, the mercy seat. Inside the mercy seat, you had three things. You had the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. You had Aaron's rod that had budded, and you had a pot of manna inside the mercy seat. And the high priest went in there once a year and made sacrifice. Now let's get to the candlestick and these snuffers. When the priest that was in charge of the candlestick, they lit those candles and they had a job of keeping those lights trimmed. If you let the candle burn too long, the thing would start getting yellow color or red color and start dimming out because the wick was burning into ashes. So a priest would come in there and he would snuff that candlestick, that, that wick. When I mean snuff, it was like he had a pair of clippers or a pair of shears that were made of gold. And here's the uniqueness about it. On one of those blades, there was a box mounted on it. 
And when you cut those things, and the other blade had a lid. So when those two blades come together, it would cut that wick, and that lid would trap the burnt part of that wick and put it into that box so that none of the burnt ashes fell on the floor and defiled the temple. None of the ashes fell on the priest to defile him or none of the ashes fell back into the oil and defiled it. It was a remarkable thing seeing those scissors come to cutting that wick and capturing those ashes. Okay, there's a lot of symbolic things in this. They're to catch those ashes. Then he would take those ashes over to the snuff dish, which had a lid. He would open the lid. He would put the ashes in the snuff dish and then close the lid until they carried it out to dispose of it. They, they trimmed it off. And that made the, 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 the fire get brighter and put there. You've heard of the term trimming the lamps? That's what they were doing. They were trimming the lamps. And as they trimmed the lamps, they caught the ashes and put them in there and put the lid over that. Then the priest had a pair of tongues that he would reach in and put the wick and pull it up a little bit so they'd have a new part to burn. And this wick went down into the bowls that they had of virgin olive oil, pure olive oil that it was. And the Lord was consistent on letting nothing defile this process. It had to go on like he presented it. Now look at us in the kingdom of God here. In the kingdom of God, it is our responsibility from time to time that when we see a brother who has now got some kind of problem, the Lord teaches us exactly how to handle that problem. I go to Matthew chapter 18. He says in verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother trespassed against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. You first go see him, you and him alone. And hopefully, you will get this problem solved just between the two of you. Now, over the years, I kind of cringe when I hear a pastor from somewhere say, well, I've been out counseling today. Well, my ears go up when he says he's been out counseling because he should never use those terms because if you come from a small church like I have all my years, we don't have churches like, you know, Nashville and Jackson Places like that, we're just small group. I've pastored 20 people many a times or something like that. And you say to a group like that, you've been out counseling, they already know who you're talking about without you bringing up a name. They already know. People know each other. 
I just go talk to people. I never use the word that I've ever been counseling. I just go talk to them. Well, if you say you've been went and talked to somebody, nobody raises up an eyelid on that, you know. We talk all the time. He's teaching us right here that when we cut that wick and we catch it in that box, we're to keep it in that box till we put it in that snuff dish. And when you put it in that snuff dish, then that's the end of the story. It's not to be spread out. Now, you've seen people that used to have them coal oil lamps, and you would see them doing this every time then. They want to trim the lamps, and they'll do this. You know, do it with their fingers. Well, if you wet your fingers and you're trying to, you know, touch that wick with it, you're getting smut on your fingers. See? You're getting smut on yourself. The Lord had it for a specific reason. He said, don't use scissors. He didn't say use scissors or shears. You use the snuffers. It was something to cut it and collect it and have it. And then put it in a box and it doesn't get spread around in the church. You went to him and you talked to him alone and hopefully that's the end of it. Now, who is the best example of that that we have? The Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that the Lord don't go and start talking about your problems and your sins to other people? Because he knows a lot, doesn't he? He knows everything. But he snipped it and he put it in a snuff dish. And you don't hear him talking about it. He's got it here. He's got it collected. But before I go and start talking to a brother, I miss something. I first should check with myself to see if I do not have a beam in my own eye before I start trying to put a, a moat out of your eye. We should always first examine ourselves because no man can get a little speck out of your eye when he's got a log in his own. Then once you have talking with this brother and hopefully you have got this thing situated Then, what's next? The golden tongues. What was the golden tongues used for? They were used to reach in and get the wick and pull it up. And that's an important piece we preachers should remember. If we've had to talk with a brother about a problem, when we get through, he's going to need some lifting up. Lifting up. And all of this is to be done with meekness and fear. Not talking that I'm better than someone that I know. Brother, I'm just trying to help you. I'm a sinner too. And you can all agree on that. And brother, sometimes we can't see our problems as well as others. But with charity and with kindness 
and meekness and fear, I want to lift them up. Now, is that just the job of the preacher? Well, I go to the book of James. James chapter 5. Here's how he ends that chapter. I believe it's verse 20. He says, Brethren, if any of you, any of you who? Any of you, brethren. Brethren, if any of you, I just quote this verse every day. I'm getting older. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth. Now you can't err from the truth unless you've been in the truth. So he's talking about members of the church that's in the truth. They're members of the church. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, and that one can be anyone. It can be a man, it can be a woman, it can be anybody that can keep him from erring from the truth. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, how important is that for every one of us to hope that when I fail, some loving brother or sister will come and kindness get me back to the truth, keep from erring from it. Because if you err from the truth, you're going to be in a multitude of sins until you get back to the truth. So we should ever be kindful one to another, forgiving even as the Lord has forgiven us. We should pray one for another. We should exhort one another. We should build one another up. I remember one time in our church, we had this little old lady. She is a member but she quit coming to church. She had just, just kind of faded away. So my mother called her one day. She said, Sister so-and-so, I called you today. says, uh, I wanted to know that you got this uh, coconut cake that I had at church one day, and I just loved it and wanted to know if I could get you a recipe. Well, if you knew my mother, you would know she didn't need no recipe for anything. She could cook anything. But she's asking this lady to bring her a recipe. She said, well, Sister Odom, hold on, let me get it. She said, no, no, do this. Just write it down and bring it to me Sunday at church. And the lady said, okay. Now she's got her coming to church. And she kept coming. That's how we 
can be like the Lord in the scriptures where something so insignificant as a snuffer and a snuff dish and a tongue which God got very specific with versus all that creation that he just barely mentioned. But he wanted us to know how to live in God's house. Thank you for inviting me up here this uh, Sunday to preach and I enjoyed it thoroughly. God bless you.